Okay, we can begin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Okay, so we've completed this second section of Al-Baqarah. And so the goal for today is to put together that whole second section. And so let me pull up the whiteboard here so we can take some notes. And once again... Let me know you can see the whiteboard, not or something good. Thank you. So first, just let me re-give you a map of the surah. So we have Baqarah. And so then we have Ayah 1, which is Alif Lam Mim. And then ayahs 2 through 20 was models of belief and rejection. And then the section that we had just completed, 21 through 29, is foundational commands and concepts. Foundational. And what we will be doing next tomorrow, inshallah, and for our final few days, is the origins stories. Okay. So that, we said, was the entire intro part of Al-Baqarah. So if you look at your notes all the way from when we began Al-Baqarah, probably about uh, day eight, give or take, in, in Ramadan. This was the outline of, of the first part. And then just to complete this on the right side, so we have the intro, which is 1 through 39. And then we have the Ummah of Moses, peace be upon him which was Ayahs 4-2, and I always forget what ayah it ends. It's like around 123. And then we have the Ummah of Muhammad, peace be upon him. And that's Ayahs 75 through 284. And then we have the conclusion, which is the last two Ayahs, 285 and 286. Okay, so that was the whole outline of Al-Baqarah here on the right part of the screen. Yeah, and then, so our goal today is to, is to look at the different parts of 21 through 29 and, and make sense of, or not make sense, but uh, to, to pull them all together to see what's taking place in the narrative. I'll give you all this a few more minutes to, to note this down because it looks like some of you are writing this down. So either that or Judy, you're just, you know, giving us a big smile. <laughs> Does anyone need me to still stay on the screen? If yes, no, no worries, just let me know. And all this stuff is still getting uh, uploaded to the uh, the 
whiteboard. Okay, so Judy, you're done. Nether, you're still working. Okay, uh, Dr. Malahad, you're still are you still working on this? Oh, I can change now. Okay, very good. Anyone else? Am I free to change? Or, or, or let me ask the other question. Does anyone else still need to see the screen? Silence. Okay, so so now looking at IAs twenty one through twenty nine. looking at all the materials, and this is often easier if you have the, the, the text in front of you. So first, in Aya 21, we had the first command. Anyone who can, who can say it the fastest or type it the fastest? What's the first command? Anyone remember? Mankind worship your Lord. Okay, good enough. Be the abd of your Be the abd. rub addressed to all mankind. Okay, and then what else is being said? He created you as he created those before you. And then why do this? So that you may get taqwa. Back just to give us some space, I'm going to put a little bit of this slide. Okay. And then the second ayah, we had the second command. Anybody remember? Okay, do not knowingly make rivals to Allah. And then the first part of the ayah, however, was he created all for you. He created the world for you. You were created for him. And then we had these two conditional commands. If you have doubt, produce a surah and bring witnesses. And then I-24, <laughs> if you can't produce a surah, then have taqwa. Shield yourself in this context from the fire. Which fuels men and stones prepared for the rejectors of faith. And then we draw a big line. 
And then 25 is third command. Give good news to those who believe and do right. Oh, some of you are watching on phones, so you can probably barely see what's on the screen. Oh, sorry about that. They believe and do right. Of all these different wonders of paradise. So, a small side point is almost every time you see uh, uh, heaven mentioned, you will see hell mentioned before or after. Even if the context or the content is different, and we have the same thing here. I-24 ends with a mention of hell, right? That it's, you know, shield yourself from the fire whose fuel is men and stones, prepared for those who reject faith. And then the next ayah is those who believe and do right, tell them they're going to have paradise. And this is something you find over and over again, which is... It would be very fascinating. And then 26. Michelle, can I take a screenshot when you're done? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can take screenshots of everything, preferably not of our beautiful faces, but you yeah, have all of the, the, the wonderful things on the screen. Okay, so I had 26. We had a couple discussions here. One is the use of metaphors. as not beneath Allah. And specifically using insignificant, seemingly insignificant things to give profound lessons is not beneath Allah. But then we also have guidance and misguidance From, I'm going to put from in quotes, from the Quran. Obviously, misguidance is not coming from the Quran, but people will be turning astray. And then Allah speaks about the faucet, which leads us into ayah 27, the keys to misguidance. And so those keys were what? We had three keys. Wrong with Allah, misconduct with Allah, misconduct with family in relations. Let's say misconduct with relations. And then misconduct with the world or with society, however you want to look at it. And then at the end, what we covered yesterday, we had the basic call to 
regarding oops, regarding death. And then the even more basic call regarding Allah. Okay. Now my hand hurts. Okay, so so here we have uh, a quick summary of all that we've covered for basically essentially the last two weeks. And so, and if anything's unclear, just just let me know, and I'll I'll, I'll say whatever it is that's unclear on the screen. So now to put it all together. First, let's talk about everything that is being mentioned about Allah in each of these ayahs. So in ayah 21, what is being mentioned about Allah? One is that he is your Rabb. And he created you as he created those before you. And then... In the next side, he created all for you. And don't make rivals to him. And then in Ayah 23, I didn't write this on the screen. If you have doubt about what we have revealed. So Allah... reveals guidance to his servant, the prophet, peace be upon him, produces who are like us, uh, calling your witnesses, other than Allah. And then if you can't, then have taqwa, shield yourself from the fire. So I don't think there's any, any direct mention of Allah in Ayah 24. I-25, give good news to those who believe and do right that they will have gardens beneath which rivers flow, so forth and so on. Uh, I don't think there is any uh, mention of Allah there, in fact, because of fasting rain and normal forgetting. Let me look up really quickly. There's any mention of Allah there. Okay. And then I-26, it is not beneath Allah. To, to use these metaphors. And then he also guides and he misguides. But he does not misguide anyone except for the Fasiqs. I-27, those who break their pact with Allah is the key to misguidance. 28, Allah is the one who gives life and death. And then 29, that's about Allah. He created for you all that is in the heavens and the earth, and they turned to the sky, and he formed it into seven skies, and Allah knows all. So if you were to look for common, common elements or a narrative, a progression, in what is being said about Allah, how would you describe it? What would either be common elements from start to finish, in this section, or what would be a progression? So it's two questions, pick one. 
so one common is uh, is is rub like it's okay. uh, more like a definition of rub is being explained like he has created everything for you and he has created everything uh, and and then then he is asking uh, to to have taqwa and then and there's a prescription if you if you do not believe what has been rele- uh, revealed then there's the prescription mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so one we're seeing different dimensions of allah's role as a rabb he's the creator he is also the guide and then uh, there's one other thing and essentially that he gives life and death and he knows all else and then we have our obligations to Allah we'll talk about that also in a, in a moment anything else about Allah uh, the distinction in responsibilities Allah versus as creator versus man is created sure yeah what else anything else here about Allah that he does whatever he wants and what he has apparently wanted to do is literally create all for us in as create all in service to us in our service to him so he's literally bestowed everything to us and what then he is demanding is a small amount of obedience okay Easier question. Let's talk about us. So us. He is Adrab. He we've been created by him. We may get taqwa. And then again, he created everything for us. We have to consciously try not to make rivals to him. We may have doubt. We have to shield ourselves. Then we have uh, uh, these these commands. And then we have good conduct versus bad conduct. So when we put these together, we have some foundational commands. All of you should now be masters of, not only in remembering where they are, but in practicing them. Again, we're not going to have another command for at least about 100 ayahs. No, 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 about 70 ayahs. Next commands are on ayah 104. And so then what else do we have here? <laughs> that I'm going to draw a line right here. I'm going to draw a line right here. I'm going to draw a line here. And I'm going to draw a line here. So if we were to call this part A, Part B, part B, part D, part E. Just looking at the overall content of each of these. In part A, we speak about our relationship with Allah. That the whole thing is about our relationship with Allah. In part B, it is our relationship with the Prophet in the Quran, peace be upon him, as being given to us by Allah. 
In part C, it is our relationship with the Ummah. So far, so good. In part D, it is then addressing the dark side. So criticism as well as rejection of faith and misguidance. And then part E is, so to speak, the last call, especially for the people who have rejected. So if I write all this out, Okay. Allah and us or us and Allah. Us and was book and messenger. Us and the Ummah Allah and opposers Allah's basic call opposers okay. then if this follows then we can add another dotted line in between right here so <laughs> does it follow does it seem like it makes sense not or shake your head or you know do something okay so in the first section, we had the people of Taqwa, the Kafirs, the hypocrites. And so here we have how to get Taqwa. And then how Allah deals with or how to deal with the opposers. And part of dealing with the opposers is to still call upon them. Okay, so far so good. Any questions about any of this? No questions. There is B in the B. Uh, there is uh, one point of taqwa as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. that uh, that taqwa. If if you so so if you, and you will not be able to. To come up with anything uh, that will be that will uh, match my revelation, mm -hmm. so you have to have then taqwa. Yes, absolutely, and so that or, will go back to us and Allah, yeah. And otherwise, it will be hellfire. Okay. No questions at all. 
no thoughts, anything? Alrighty, so that actually was faster than I expected, which means we can introduce the next section, but the way we're gonna introduce the next section is first to look at two ayahs, and then So we said the next section is ayah 30 to 39, but let's look at this bridge, ayah 29 to 30. So we said the next section is actually going to be 30 to 39, but what happens, what do we discover? Sorry, can you all see Loyola? Sorry, I closed the window. So when you put IS 29 and 30 together, okay. So he created for you all that is in the, all that is in the earth. And then he turns to the skies and he forms them into seven skies and he knows all. And then IA 30, just take IA 30 on its own. Nothing that comes after it. And when your Lord said to the angels, I am going to create a deputy on the earth. And then they said, you're going to create someone who spreads disorder and causes bloodshed while we pro, uh, proclaim your glory. We praise you. We sanctify your name. He says, I know what you do not know. Look at I 28 and 29 together. What threads or common elements do we find in 28 and 29? Give you a hint. One relates to our relationship with the earth. What do we have, or in the world? What do we have in I-28? What do we have in I-29? So about Allah himself, both eyes speak of Allah knowing all. Absolutely. And then what about our relationship with the world? What do we have in 28? So in I have 30, we are deputies. And then what do we have in I-29? It's the first sentence. So creation of universe uh, and heavens. What about it? 29. What, is, uh, what does it have to do with us? That what is constructed for us. Yes. So I-29... Everything in the world is made for us, but then in Ayah 30, we have a responsibility to be Allah's deputies in the world. So the world has been made for us, right? We saw the when we went through Ayah 22, the earth is a resting place, the sky is a ceiling, water comes down from the sky, bring forth fruits as our sustenance. So on the one hand, everything has been given to us, but we have a responsibility to be the caretakers of it. Now, if we look at our responsibility to the world, if we skip Ayah 30 and we only have Ayah 29, and then if you think back to Ayah 22, where we saw everything was given to us, if we only have Ayah 29, then what is our relationship with the world? 
consumption. Yes, exactly. Right? That everything in the world is just made for us to consume. There's a there's a, a very aggressive, powerful school of modern American Christianity, the Dominion Movement, which is basically this point, that the world has been created for us to consume. And so you will see this come up over and over again in the right wing when they talk about fracking, when they talk about drilling, in other uses of natural resources, and in the resistance against climate change. The idea, the theology, is that this world has been created for us to consume. It's our dominion. So that's if you have I-29 or even I-22 above on its own, that he made everything for us. Now, what if we don't have I-22? Yes, and so I have 30. When we're looking at our roles as Khalifa, so, so a couple of points. First, literally, what does the word Khalifa mean? Anyone know? So skip, skip context, just linguistic meaning. Khalifa is one who comes later. So Khalaf is the opposite of Salaf. So you've heard of Salaf and Salafis and such. So Salafis, the idea of the Salaf is the people who came before Khalaf is those who come later. That's literally what Khalifa means. And so when Abu Bakr becomes the leader of the Muslims, he is eventually given the title, the Khalifa of whom? The Prophet, peace be upon him. Prophet. Right? And, and so, so Khalifa in his linguistic sense is literally just one who is left behind, one who comes later. In its operational meaning, then... Uh, it either is meaning a successor, obviously you're not going to be a successor to a law. And so a common translation is a deputy or an appointed representative or these big words that you only find in the translations like vice regent, vice gerent, or those types of terms. And so commonly understood then is caretaker. So on the one hand, Everything's been made for us, but then we have the responsibility to be its caretaker. We are Allah's representatives. And then on the other hand, if you only had the idea of caretaker, then we're basically saying whether this belongs, whether this is given to us or not, we have the responsibility of taking care of it. In a modern sense, we might include, you know, environmental concerns. What's fascinating is that when you look at old law books, we uh, we these things that we today consider to be environmental concerns were already assumed in the conversations. And so, shall I, yeah, in theory, we should be, based literally just on Ayah 30, that we should be the leaders in environmental protection. Now, if we look at it, Muslim history, oh yeah, go ahead, you're speaking, yeah. I was just going to say, um, you had made the point before that this is the only book um, where the earth is mentioned so much. Yes. Um, in all the books that have been revealed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you go through the Bible beyond literally the opening of Genesis, you don't find very much reference to nature, right? You find a whole lot of human history and such, and you will find occasional metaphors and such, and but you find a whole lot of laws related to nature or laws related to animals and purchases and all that stuff. But here... It's, yeah, there's no book that, that seems to even come remotely close. 
And so, so what's interesting is that when we look at the history of Muslim civilization, a lot of what we would call environmental concerns were not in the book because they were in the assumptions. So the easiest example is, you know, what I've always talked about in terms of my undergrad's favorite topics. Anybody remember three M's and a J? Marriage, med school, and Zabiha meat, and then gins. So Zabiha meat, the concern there is literally for the the 10 minutes or hour of slaughter, meaning literally that one moment of slice, that's basically the primary concern with zero concern about the treatment of the animal from birth until slaughter. Because as is the case in Chicago, if you go to a Muslim butcher, you will most likely get the lowest quality meat because competition is so fierce that they have to get the cheapest meat which means you're going to have the lowest quality meat, which means what? That the animals that were treated the worst. With the moment of slaughter, that specific moment is the uh, um, is Islamically okay, but the whole treatment of the animal from birth until that moment is torture and tyranny. And so this again is bringing back to our point of the common approach in our community is to look at everything through the lens of law but it's also a minimalist approach to look at everything through the lens of law. How do I get a passing score? All right, I'll just get this cheapest meat. And the quality of the meat, if you get from, you know, from a, a, a common place uh, is often gonna be higher quality. And then trying to look instead at our relationships. On that screen, we had a relationship with Allah, our relationship with the Quran and the prophet, peace be upon him. And here we have our relationship with the earth. So I'm noticing a whole bunch of paragraphs have just been written. Let's see. That's what I thought too. Shella was also reading Quran translation noted many references to those in the hellfire who were greedy, didn't donate their lives. Maybe we think Muslim leaders should, in, you know, should be leaders in social welfare. Absolutely. Yeah. Should be. And that's why we're having courses like this to bring us back to our text. So yeah. So before getting into the actual story of origins, the first point to think about is that we have this dual relationship with the world. Everything has been created for us and we have been created. One of our responsibilities is to be the caretaker of all of this. Now, when we're saying that everything has been created for us, one way to look at it is that it's been created for our comfort and our sustenance. And a point we made before is that what is the actual ethos and I can't think of a better word, but the actual personality of nature. Nature is saying, look at me, appreciate me, and through that, appreciate my creator. So when you're looking out a window and you're looking at a vine or a, a lawn or a cloud, appreciate its beauty, appreciate its construction, and through that, appreciate its creator. And then a bigger aspect of that is to take steps on being Allah's care, or the, the, the deputies in the world. The starting point of that goes back to the question of doing right versus doing good. You still do good, but then we're also looking at what is Allah Ta'ala telling us to do. And so like the treatment of animals and such. And, and you find this in, again, in different uh, parts of, of Muslim civilization, even in our society. So Chicago used to be full of forest preserves and the whole idea of forest preserves was to keep these places that are that are all un, unadulterated nature. Unfortunately, a lot of those forest preserves are not getting converted into residential areas and, and, and shopping malls and such. Shella. So 
So where is the verse um, that says like Allah created everything in a balance? So there's um, uh, in Surah Rahman. Yes. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, literally right at the beginning. Oh, I was just I was just thinking about that, like how this is related to that. Um, is there anything about like, and so therefore like maintain that balance, like for people to be involved in? Well, I, mean, no? that is, I don't think so. That is sort of an interpretation of, uh, let's look at those ayahs at the beginning of Surah Rahman. So Surah. I don't think we discussed it in this class. We might've done it in the other class, but so we have we have Ar-Rahman and then Allam al-Qur'an. So Allah is the most merciful. He is the one who taught uh, who taught the Qur'an. Halak al-Insan created humanity. Allamahu al-Bayan. And then he taught communication or how to express. And then Ash-Shamsu wal-Qamaru bi-Husman. And so the sun and the moon are, are following this calculation. And then the vines, the trees are all doing sajda to Allah. They're all prostrating Allah. And then and he raised the sky and then he placed the scale, the balance. So you should not be wrongful in weighing and observe the correct weighing with fairness. And then it goes back to the earth. As for the earth, he has placed for it creatures in which there are fruits and so forth and so on. So how is it understood that at the beginning we're talking about nature and then in the middle of it, we're talking about this balance and 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 fairness and then we're going back to talking about nature that my misconduct might have spiritual consequences or unseen consequences in the harmony of nature and another way to think about it is just look at our society right our society is all about consumption and what is our relationship with nature we completely devour nature and that's a it's a, also a line that you find very commonly in Sayyid Hussein Nasser's thought that you can see a person's spirituality by looking at their relationship with nature. And so as a society, you know, we literally consume, if not devour, the vast majority of natural resources of the entire globe, I think times four. And so, so yeah, so that's a, a point to consider here that our conduct will have either uh, uh, observable or unobservable consequences on nature. But I think the observable is obvious that if you are, if you're stealing, then you're not gonna have too much concern about nature. You're gonna see nature only as in terms of how you can profit. That is so much of our society today. Any Muslim countries communities that come to mind that are exemplars with regard to the environment? Uh, Malaysia seemed to be in the 1990s and early 2000s. Cause I remember Malaysia was doing a lot of research in biofuels. Uh, or like in green fuels. Uh, but I think Malaysia also got kind of stuck in a whole lot of uh, fighting over, or over uh, what's the word, uh, corruption and such in various challenges to power and you know, both coming from within as well as coming from, from without. Uh, but there is, and I think Malaysia just succumbed to deforestation here perhaps. Uh, there has been moves in these, in the desert countries to, to really invest in solar power that's been happening a lot, uh, very, very quietly, you know, and part of it is, I think it's just for survival purposes, but that's not just the oil countries, but even the North African countries as well. So there are things that are happening. Uh, exemplars might be too big of a word, but positive things. Yeah. 
And even think about, okay, the whole, the whole global shift to electronic cars. Think about what that's doing. The impression we're getting is we no longer need oil, but it's just replacing oil with what? With lithium. And so there's going to be a time where lithium is going to run out too. And right now, it doesn't seem like there's any regulation on the companies. And so we hear all these stories of horrible things that are happening to people in these lithium mines and such. Mm. Yeah, so lithium is often mined by kids. So. But I don't, I don't know a lot about the issue, but I've heard that um, when you get one of the cars that plug in, you're still tapping into um, energy from a coal burning power plant. So I don't understand how you're moving from gasoline, which is a fossil fuel to coal, which is a fossil fuel. And they're trying to make mm -hmm. the impression that you're lowering your carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the part about the recharging, that's, that's beyond my knowledge. Uh, I mean, so, so I drive a Prius, not because I'm environmentally conscious, but because it was cheaper. And to, to actually have the benefit, the environmental benefit, uh, outweigh the cost of making the Prius, I think I have to cross 200,000 miles. Yeah. Uh, until then, it's, it's more environmentally destructive. So I'm at 175,000, so I'm almost there. So, so all these electric cars and even hybrid they are pretty expensive still. They are oh, yeah. like if you if I mean, you buy, if you buy a brand new, they are pretty expensive. I mean, right now they are because they're still sort of for what's the word um, luxury. Still, they have like, like Tesla, like connoisseurs or whatever the word is, like people who are more interested in those things. But yeah, pretty soon those are. I mean, uh, I think Volvo's already announced that they're going 100% electric. Europeans are yes. And so all the luxury companies to compete with Tesla, they're all going to, with the next five years, they're all going to have um, electric cars. And then it's only probably within the next 15 years that, that you know, everyone's going to have electric cars. So those prices will go down. Um, but the environmental costs we're all pretending is, is you know, suddenly uh, resolved. So yeah, that's one of the scary uh, issues is these, because these are systemic problems. You know, and so, so the point is that, yeah, uh, public transportation is a good individual way. Biking is a good individual way, but then that also means that you have to be able to live in a place where you can, you can take public transportation or go close enough to, to, to ride your bike, to do whatever it is you got to do. And these are systemic um, questions. Any other questions about anything at all? Um, right. based, yeah. Apart apart from uh, um, a criticism, like, um, of course, Muslims are not leading very much in the social aspect or the social welfare aspect. The other thing uh, that uh, that bothers me is that uh, that all these companies like SpaceX or NASA, they are spend they spend like billions of dollars to exploration of uh, of the planets. Right. Where they assume they are like uh, the, the 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 thought process is that okay we will eventually have to colonize some other planet, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and they spend so much money there, and rather than like spending the like some amount of money, how to make this planet better? Yeah, that's that's, that's one of the age-old issues. Absolutely. I mean, do you do you think the actual purpose is to colonize Mars? Um, uh, me, this is me being totally skeptical. I think the actual purpose is to figure out what natural resources we can then yeah. loot Exploit. from Mars. I, yeah. It sounds like it's just a further exploitation. Yeah, of course. You know, we've already gotten the whole world. Now it's time for the rest <laughs> of the universe. Yeah. 
And so, so yeah, again, these are systemic things. And, and so systemic problems require systemic uh, solutions. Nether. So um, at the beginning of the course, you kind of had outlined law, belief, relationships, and then service and justice. Um, I'm trying to see if I'm tracking correctly, but like up until now, is this kind of the first like true uh, topic that kind of lands in the topic of, or the, the square of service and justice? Yes, sir. Exactly. Okay. I mean, another way you can look at it is the default is still relationships. But the consequence of one type of relationship is just sustaining the relationship and another type of relationship, which would be with your neighbors or the people of your society, that's where we get into service and justice. Yeah, or the I, world. So yeah, you're so saying that's exactly it. You're saying that relationship, like service and justice, is just another type of relationship. It's a relationship between yourself and society, mm -hmm. whether it be neighbors or greater. Yeah, I mean, so think about zakat, for example, is you're looking at you're looking at your relationship to others who are in need. And, and then it's, a, it's an act of worship, but charity itself is an act of service to those people who are in, in need. So what I'm saying is frame it first through the lens of, of the relationship. And then your interactions with different relations will be different. You know, So me to you would not be charity as much as it would be a gift, right? Or a loan if you're in need. But if it's with a stranger or someone else, then it would probably be more charity. Than, than a gift. But then we also have the element of responsibilities, like my responsibility to society itself, my responsibility to the earth. And so those relationships, how do I fulfill what I owe those people? Got it. Got it. But yeah, but to, to answer your initial question, this is the first time we're really venturing into the service justice part. We're not going to have too much more on that in this next subsection, um, but um, but yeah, uh, this does get into our relationship with the world. God, thank you. Good. Any other questions? Okay, then we will stop here, inshallah, and then tomorrow we'll uh, get into the three stories of origins. So we have tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So yeah, it should be just enough time. To, to complete everything. All right, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, we bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka. We seek your forgiveness when I do we like and we turn to you. May Allah tell the word you all. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.